KMTT Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Today is Thursday. This is Ezra Bick, and we're having another uh, shiur in the series on Agadot Bereshit. And today, I'm going to skip the day in the Midrashim that are about the creation of the uh, of the animal world of the of the fish and the birds. And we're going straight to the sixth day, which is the day of creation of the animal world. And the Midrash moves very, very quickly and goes right to the end of the day, the creation of man. And that's what we will be concerned with for the next couple of weeks, the creation of man, with which the Midrash uh, spoke at length. In Pashachet of the Medrash Rabbah, and I am reading Medrash Dalit. Amar Rabbi Berechia. Isha'ah Shabbat Kadosh Baruchu, Livarot et Adam Harishon. When God came, when God was about to create man, this whole introduction is expressing the fact that God made the world no problem, but now he was coming to create man. So there are all sorts of problems, even before he begins. What's the problem? He perceived, God perceived, or foreseed, that both tzaddikim and rishayim, righteous and evil, would come from him. Notice, Midrash doesn't say that the righteous and the evildoers could come from him. That wouldn't be foresight. foresight. That would be Bechir That would be free will. What we saw was that if there's free will, then it will happen. It might be God's perception of the future or, or simply the knowledge that it's going to happen. God realized that by making man, he was in effect, in effect, responsible for the creation of evil. Of evil people. Sadikim Urushaim Yotini Menu. Ama, God said, Imani Bogayoto Rushaim Yotini Menu. If I go about and fulfill my plan and create man, then evildoers will come to me. Bimlo Evrauto, Hech Sadikim Yotini Menu. But if I don't create him, then where will the Sadikim come from? How will the Sadikim derive from him? What did he do? In other words, was the Medrash assuming this is an insolvable problem? God wishes to have tzaddikim. That, that, that's the obvious reason for the creation of the world. That tzaddikim should exist. That there should be, there should be good. The only way to do that is to create man. But if you create man, you will also be creating evil. And that apparently is places a stop. That that's that's an impediment, that's an obstacle that prevents God from creating man. As Ma'asakadoshbahu, what did he do? And the answer is truly amazing from a logical point of view. He distant he distanced. He 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 Put the way of the evildoers, Darkan Shagashaim, 
he fled Michneged Panav. He simply put it so that he couldn't see it. Bishitev Bo Midat Rachamim. And then he added the attribute of mercy to himself, to, to he, he made a partnership with the attribute of mercy, and he created man. This all derives from the Pasuk and Tehillim, that once you hear the Midrash, the Pasuk more that says that. At least you might interpret that way. Ki yodeya Hashem derech tzadikim v'derech rishaim tovad. For God knows the ways, the way of the righteous, but the way of the evildoers is lost. And the Midrash obviously is interpreting that ki yodeya means God knows in the usual sense of the word know. But God is aware, has knowledge of the way that tzadikim, but it's lost, meaning he doesn't have knowledge of it, so to speak. He simply ignores it, he forgets it, and that's what allowed man to be created. A lot of strange things about this Midrash. How is it possible that God can ignore that Hashem? If the argument is incorrect, if in fact the the good that comes from the tzaddikim outweighs the bad that comes from Rishayim, then there's no problem. The Midrash obviously assumes, we see this from the answer of Hiflig, that if the argument, if the, if the problem that Darkansha Rishayim creates remains, if it's there, God will not create man. God cannot create man. He wants to create man, but he can't. Uh, this basic psychological description of God is itself theologically difficult, but I'm ignoring that. So they're talking in our terms. God wants to create man, but there's a problem. And the problem is insolvable. And the way to solve it is is by force. So God doesn't have a good argument. He doesn't say, okay, I've weighed the two sides and I make a logical decision. It's an irrational decision. He does it by ignoring the facts. Surely that's not commendable. God creates man because he simply ignores the fact that evil will come out of it. I'm also wondering what it means, V'shitef bo midat rachamim. God throws away the Akhan doesn't see it. But to proceed, he also includes with himself midat rachamim, the attribute of mercy. The way the Mephashim explain this, or this, they say, why is it here? Because it comes to explain the word V'yitzer, when God created man, it says, Vayitzer, Vav, Yud, Yud, Sadi, Resh. And, and Chazal will read the Medrash sometime later, but there are a number of commentaries as to why there are two Yuds there. It's like a compound verb. And so apparently this Medrash is one of the answers to that question. That God doubly created because there were two creators, so to speak, God plus Midat Vachamim. Of course, Midat Vachamim is, is part of God. It's not, it's not another, it's not another, uh, actor. It's not another person. I want to read the next part of the Midrash, simply to make it a little bit more confusing. Again, what do we just read now? God said, hmm, I have a problem, there's Mishaim and his Tzadikim, so he put away the way of the evil, and 
just saw the way of the righteous, and then he created man. Rabbi Hanina lo amakein. Rabbi Hanina did not explain it in that way. Ella, he had another way of explaining it. Notice how similar his way is. Ella, b'sha'ah, shabah levarot et ha'adam ha'rishon, when God came to create man, nimlach b'malachai ha'sharet, he took counsel with the angels, with the ministering angels. As the Pasuk says, Na'ase Adam Bitsalmenu Kidmutenu, let us create man in our image and our uh, uh, f- uh, form. So, written in plural, let us create man. And one of the explanations of that plural verb is that he was speaking to the Malachi Asharit. So he took counsel with them. They said to him, Adam Ze Matibo, good idea, what is man? <laughs> what do you have in mind? So he told them the truth. He said to them, Sadikim will come out of him. End of disclosure. In other words, he lied. Or, to put it a little bit more mildly, he didn't disclose the whole truth. Told the truth, but not the whole truth. They said, what is special about man? Or what is the nature of man? Why are we creating him? So he said to them, well, you know, he's the foundation of tzaddikim. He's the foundation of good in the world. Apparently they agreed. And then he went ahead and made men. Hadav dechtiv ki yodaya Hashem derech tzaddikim ki hodiya Hashem derech tzaddikim What does it mean? The Pasuk we quoted before, for God knows the way of the righteous. Knows means made known. Yodaya hodiya. God told them the ways of the righteous, but the way of the evildoers is lost. It was lost. God hid it from them. He told the angels with whom he consulted that there would be tzaddikim, but did not tell them that there would be rishayim. She'ilu, making very explicit now the point made before, if he had disclosed to them that evildoers would come from, from man, the attribute of justice, would not have permitted the creation of man. Would not have permitted. It would not have taken place. It could not have taken place. Midatadin can prevent God from doing it. And the way God neutralized Midat Adin was by not telling him, by not disclosing less than full disclosure of all the facts. Both of these versions, Rabbi Brechia and Rabbi Hanina, basically said the same thing. But Rabbi Hanina made a point of Lo Amar Kain. I don't like what you said. I'm going to put it in a slightly different manner. It's a very slight difference. Rabbi Brechia talks about an internal conflict within God, so to speak. God doesn't see. In order to create man, God closes his eyes to the way of the evil. And according to Rabbi Hanin, it's exactly the same thing, but doesn't that God closes his eyes, but he makes sure that the angels have their eyes closed so that they don't prevent him from creating man. According to Rabbi Hanin, God would be would prevent himself from creating man. He was prevented by his own uh, conflict and solved the conflict by ignoring the facts. Here, God solves the conflict created by the angels opposing him by not giving them the facts. In the end, it's the same thing. It's almost the same story. 
What the Medrash is saying is that the existence of evil in the world constitutes prima facie a valid and sufficient reason to prevent the creation of man. And the only way to overcome that is to ignore it. There is no counter-argument. The counter-argument is that tzaddikim will exist. That argument is not sufficient to counter the negative argument of the evil. And therefore, the only practical manner in which we can, in fact, overcome the veto, the negative vote of midat adin, of, of justice, of, of the divine opposition to evil, the way we overcome that is by pretending it doesn't exist. So I repeat my original question. What does it mean that God pretends that something doesn't exist in order to justify something? He knows it exists, and if it's wrong, then it's wrong. And 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 why, in fact, does he want to create man if it's unjustified? A human being might want to do something that's unjustified, and therefore he will engage in a certain tactic. So I think the tactic here is this disreputable, ignoring the facts. But I also don't understand why God would want to do something which, in fact, is wrong to do. Human beings sometimes want something, and then as a psychological device, it's true, this is what they do. I don't, I don't agree it should be this way, but at least I understand how it can happen. A person wants something, so he ignores the facts. It seems to me that that's criticism, but it can happen. But a suffering being not the right thing to do, and therefore I don't think God should do it. I also don't understand how God got into this position. If it's wrong, then why does he want to create man? Why does he, in the end, after all, take responsibility for the creation of evil? What this Medrash is expressing, and, and we'll see this in the future in different versions, is Chazal are saying that man is essentially a totally different kind of creation than everything else. About everything it says, Tov. What he did on the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, and the fifth day, and it was Tov, it was good. What kind of good is that? It's not moral good. It's good. It was fine. It came out the way God wanted it. It could serve a good purpose. The creation of man is essentially conflicted. Since man's existence is based, the difference, the distinction of man is free will, then of necessity, when God created man, he created the possibility and basically the eventuality and perhaps even the necessity of true evil in the world. together with the fact that he's created the possibility of true good, of moral good, not of God doing something good, but of God making something, man, who will do more good, who will be a tzaddik. And the major says that creation of tzaddikim is a sufficient reason for the creation of the whole world. That, in fact, is God's ultimate desire, ultimate aim, ultimate goal. The Midrash also says that the creation of evil 
the permission for evil people to exist is a sufficient reason for there to be no world at all. Better nothing, or at least better a world without man, but I suspect better no world at all than a world in which man, who is evil, sometimes exists. But since the two are totally dependent on each other, the good of man depends on the bad of man, because the good of man depends on free will, which automatically opens the door to the evil in man. Therefore, there is an insolvable paradox here, because the creation of man both justifies the existence of the world and also completely negates, morally speaking, the possibility of the existence of the world. And that's the dilemma, so to speak, the moral dilemma, the logical, the logically moral dilemma, which God faces when He came to create man. Now, the answer, the solution, which is done by simply ignoring one side, is different in a subtle but important way between Rabbi Bechia and Rabbi Hanina. I'm going to posit a rule when learning Midrash. When the Midrash says that angels have a certain point to make, they're using the angels to express a logically valid point, but one that's not true. How could that be? In and of itself, it's logically true, but there is a more complicated truth, a deeper truth, which simple logic doesn't perceive at all, and that's the truth of God. Midat Aden says, and, and you can't find the flaw in the logic, if you do something, God, and because of what you do, you now have created the basis for evil, then you cannot do that. The good God cannot create evil. just cannot be done. It's usa. It's usa to do evil. It's also illogical for the good to create evil. It's contradictory in metaphysical terms. That's the argument which Rabbi Hanina puts into the mouth of Midat Adin. Midat Adin is one of the Malachi Asharet, one of God's attributes. Remember, these aren't created beings who can make mistakes. Midat Adin, it's not just an angel, it's Midat Adin, it's God's own attribute. It's a logically correct attribute. But Rabbi Hanina points out that that doesn't really obligate God. Not because God is, is above logic or above the good. But because sometimes there are there are arguments, there are logical situations, there are goods which simple logic doesn't 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 quite grasp. Now in this midrash, it's not explained what that is. For that, we're going to have to wait till next week in a different midrash. But what the midrash is saying is that God wants to create tzaddikim. And if he gets Sadiqim, it'll make it all worthwhile. The mathematics doesn't show that. The mathematics shows that every Russia counterbalances every Tzaddik. But God isn't doing mathematics. From God's point of view, the evil might be irrelevant. It's worthless. 
But one tzaddik, that makes the whole thing worthwhile. When the Midat Adin comes to speak, God has no answer to the Midat Adin. What can he say? He's going to say that the evil is not evil. He's going to say, I didn't make evil. And so the answer the Midrash takes, and it's a, it's a truly paradoxical answer, is that God hides the facts. You don't understand it. You, angels, you don't understand it. If I let you argue, I, 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 I won't be able to overcome you. I won't be able to act because you will prevent me because I can't ignore your logic. And therefore, I'm not going to let you speak at all. Sometimes the Medrash, different Medrashim will say that God simply yells at the Malachim, tells them, be quiet. Malachim argue, we say this in the, uh, the Piyut, about the Seret HaRugay Malchut, and they say to God, why are you letting these Tzadikim die? Zu Torah, Zu and God says, quiet! If you argue with me, I'll destroy the whole world. It's also not a logical answer. It's a tyrannical answer. That's one version of Chazal. Sometimes, as we'll see next week, God attacks the Midah. The Midah that says, you, God, you, you, you're not right. So God shoots him. And here God has solved the problem in a better way. He just doesn't let the Midah show up because he doesn't give him the facts that would, in fact, allow the Midah to speak. What basically it's saying, and I think this, this Midrash is nice because it's saying that if the argument is made, if Midah Tadin makes the argument, then we're stuck. And God is stuck. Can't ignore logic. But, so to speak, it's not, if the argument isn't made, we're not bound by it. Obviously, this is all uh, uh, parable, or this is all metaphor. I mean, God isn't speaking, and people are answering him, and then if you're not there, then the argument isn't made theoretically. But, but that's what the Midrash is saying. In other words, that if we ignore the existence of the evil, then the argument won't be made. If the argument isn't made, then God can do anything he wants. Obviously, he has a reason. His reason is that he wants there to be tzaddikim. And from the point of view of God's higher than angelic logic, that does in fact overcome the problem created by evil. But what Chazal is saying here is that overcoming doesn't mean it doesn't exist. If you have a havamina, you say, well, what are we going to do about this problem? And I explain, give you the answer, that's it. There's no longer a problem. Here we have to live with this problem. And that's the meaning of this Midrash. Sometimes you have people will say, you know, all right, there are problems in the world, but basically man is good. Sort of a hippie kind of attitude. Human beings are really good people. A few deviations. God made the world as a good idea because, look, it turned out more or less for the best. Chazal were much more cynical, much more hard in their judgment. It doesn't turn out for the best by the normal way we have of judging. God wants it anyhow. Even though it, even though evil is, is, is irreducible. One evil person makes the whole thing not worthwhile. But God wants it anyhow. And therefore, when we look at ourselves, we have to realize that yes, God wants us to exist. God has created me. God has created you. But that's no reason for self-congratulation. He has his reasons. But, but basically, if we judge it logically, 
you are, I am, a walking reason, a walking argument for the non-existence of the entire world. We've ruined God's plan. God wanted Sadiqim. And we went ahead, we the Rishayim, and we ruined the whole thing. Now there is a difference between Rabbi Hanin and Rabbi Bechia. And I, I, I alternate in which one I prefer, in all honesty. Rabbi Hanina, like he separates it. He says, there's God and there's the angels. The angels, they don't understand. Not because they're stupid. They're right, of course. The angels can't make mistakes. I mean, they're, they're, they're pure logic. But even pure logic isn't good enough to understand the existence of man. Man is human logic, not, not the logic of humans, but the logic which explains humans existential existence of man is somehow justified in a manner that normal logical categories doesn't explain. So we have, that's God's understanding, we have the angels who are just logical categories. Rabbi Vechia puts it all into, so to speak, God's head itself, God's argument with himself. So Kubidav Hanina objected to this speaking about God this way. I mean, you know, it just, it just, he didn't think it was a good way to talk. It, it, it's coming too close to, to something which you're not allowed to say. On the other hand, I, I, I sometimes think that Rebbecha said it better. He made sure we realize that the way the Rebbechanina calls the way of the angels is true. It's not false. It's not a mistake. And once you impute it to God, then it can't possibly be a mistake. He says, if God sees all the facts, God will not act. God has the power to ignore the facts. Some of the facts. And that's what he does. He creates the world in a bubble which doesn't take into account, refuses to take into account, the Rishayim. And therefore, when the Rishayim come about, well, unexpected result, so to speak. God knew what was going to happen. Ah, he saw. But in terms of the decision to make the world, it was an unexpected complication. This medrash is referring to what's called in, in, in history of philosophy the free will defense. The problem of evil. Why is evil in the world? How does God allow it? Or in this case, why did God almost create it? The answer is the free will defense. God didn't make evil, he made free will, which is a good. And free will makes evil. Sometimes that defense is put forward rather glibly. God's not responsible for the evil. Human beings are. God made human beings. They're good. What does it mean they're good? They have free will. Free will is a good. And then, what can we do? Some people use their free will to make evil. Not relevant to the question, the theological question, why God did it. The Medrash refuses to give that answer in a simple manner. In fact, the Medrash adopts that answer. Yes, God created man with free will in order to achieve tzaddik. What about the Rishayim? It doesn't say, no, that's not his problem. He made free will. The Medrash says, well, that is a problem. I don't know the answer exactly. I just know that God was willing, so to speak, to suffer. God takes upon himself the responsibility of creating the evil because he wishes to create good. There's a Muslim side to this, of course. It means if you're evil, 
then you're not only evil to yourself, but you're, you're the burden that God has to bear. You're messing up God's world, and not only that, but He's going to suffer your existence because He still wants the tzaddikah. In my heart, I think that the answer in God's mind is called tshuva, it's called repentance, but our Medrash doesn't say that. For that you have to wait till next week. Our Medrash merely says that God values tzaddikim such that even though numerically, arithmetically, they're equal to the Vishaim, two equal paths come out of man, one to the left, one to the right, one for tzitkut, one for mishut, one for good, one for evil, even though those two paths are equal, God chooses to value tzaddikim more than he disvalues, more than the negative value of the Vishaim. So the free will defense works, but it works in a manner which arithmetically makes no sense. Angelically, it makes no sense. Midat hadin, it makes no sense. And that's the meaning of the Medrash. It says, Shitef bo midat Even when it said he ignored it, but God needed midat hachamim in order to ignore it. God ignores the way of the Vishayim. And therefore the angel called Midat Adin can't say anything because he doesn't know about it. And God himself doesn't hear the voice. But that decision itself is called Rachamim. It's not logical. It's not just not to view both sides. Midat Rachamim. We have no insight into Midat Rachamim. Midat Rachamim. God's attribute of mercy, the trait of mercy, permits you to see not lies permits you to see the truth and follow it and not count the other side. Midat HaRachamim sees all and weighs. The idea of weighing is very important in justice, right? You weigh the two sides of the scale. And Midat HaRachamim doesn't weigh. It simply chooses the good. I'm so in love with the good that I don't see anything else. I think even on a human level, we can sometimes understand that kind of midah. If I were fair, I wouldn't help you. Because there are two sides to the question and they're equal. But because of the spark of goodness in you, which so attracts me, it doesn't make sense that I should weigh that more than the spark of evil in you. But God loves goodness and He merely judges evil. He doesn't judge good and evil. He does. He judges good and evil and then they're equal. But then he loves good. He wants it. God wants to make tzaddikim. And that wanting, which sometimes we think is like Yetzirah, it's just, you know, it doesn't count. It's supposed to be logical. But here, no, no. You're not supposed to be logical. If you're in love with good, then you're entitled to ignore the evil. And if, in fact, it works out not well, if, in fact, because of what you've done, evil triumphs, you still have the justification for what you did. I could not give up the chance of the tzaddik, and therefore I took the chance the statistically unjustifiable chance that evil would result. Okay, we're going to continue along these veins with the very, very next Medrash, in Medrash Rabbah, which once again presents a different argument among the angels.
for and against the creation of man and a different solution next week. And until then, Koto, this has been Ezra Bick speaking to you from KMTT, the Torah podcast, Mishivat HaRetzion, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim, Torah every day, Koto, and we'll be back next week.